Hey, how's it going? I'm Mike. And I'm Zach. And you have just entered the Wicked Gate. Beware. Podcast. I'm a podcast uh, from the church uh, for the church, specifically uh, the Village Church Columbus. Uh, I wanted to start the second season kind of with um, just kind of a, a re not a restructuring, but a reminder that uh, what we're looking to do here in our conversations uh, is really to edify uh, our church body first and foremost, and then whatever else happens after that, um, that that'll be up to the Lord. Hopefully, uh, He is. Uh, glorified within it all. Uh, but uh, our hope is to have conversations that in the end of the day uh, are able to encourage and strengthen and challenge our church community. Um, this all started kind of from the reality that we were having conversations kind of in ministry uh, meetings uh, that we hoped uh, more people would be able to get in on. And so this was a way uh, to have some conversations about what's happening in our world, uh, things that we should be thinking about uh, as Christians um, that uh, have to do with our spiritual health and hopefully um, we are able to have those conversations and uh, release those publicly so that people can be encouraged uh, from those things. Uh, so that's our hope today. Uh, we're just kind of going to do a little uh, catch up uh, since we've been gone for uh, probably, man, it's like, I don't know, maybe like eight months. Uh, and so, uh, nice. so, yeah. We, so we haven't done this since like April? Uh, may, I think maybe it was the end of May. Maybe it was May. the last, was our last uh, okay. um episode yeah, that so we, it's been that a we record so yeah it's been it's been quite some time um and some stuff has changed not tons uh, has changed but some stuff has changed uh, kind of in the midst of that so um as you kind of think through um how we started the podcast uh it was the kind of the pandemic in the midst of the pandemic of course everybody and their mom started podcasts uh but specifically for pastors, uh, the pandemic was really difficult. I think I've heard uh, people say more times than not that like crazy numbers of like 20% of all pastors uh, have like quit their jobs or like changed uh, <laughs> uh, wow. to, to uh, change kind of course um, because of uh, the pandemic and the amount of stress, um, because of people leaving their churches or just the inability to be able to mitigate uh, all that the pandemic threw at them. Um, and so for pastors, it's been difficult. Uh, so for you, Zach, um, how were you able to make it uh, through? We're, we're not completely past it, but of course we're in the new normal now. It, it is what it is, um, and we know that this is probably going to be what it looks like in the future. So how uh, have you kind of mitigated all of the different stressors, the different things that the pandemic has brought with it? Yeah, so we just kind of lean into it here at the Village, right? We did the exact opposite. Like instead of pulling back and like assessing and things like that, like I just went full time. <laughs> so that that was kind of the main thing that happened uh, since we've uh, last recorded a podcast. But I think it's it's one of those moments as we think about the last 2 years and all that it's brought particularly from the the, the virus standpoint. It's one of those moments where your theology has to become deeply practical. I talk to members about this all the time when they're going through seasons of difficulty or brokenness or hardship where everything in you wants to ask the questions of why and you, you want to understand you know, 
it, how God is sovereign in the midst of things like this. You, you just have to really take your theology and make it make it practical. Um, but f- from a practical standpoint, we've just really done church. We, we've tried not to change much at all. We've we, we've tried to actually maybe even increase what we're doing or uh, enhance fellowship and and things that we really felt like our folks needed. Because I think at the early stages of the pandemic. Like March 2020, those initial four or five weeks for us really revealed the importance and need for the church, for right worship, for community and support within the body of Christ, acting as a family to one another. So I think one of the ways that both I personally as a pastor and then our church has really tried to navigate this well is is to pursue those things maybe with a greater zeal than we had uh, pursued them with prior to the to the pandemic. So stay busy, do the things that we're called to do, uh, be as faithful as we can in the midst of that together as the body, and then call folks in their neighborhoods and in their workplaces and wherever they are to to, to try to build out these characteristics of the church wherever they are, like love and grace and community and family and and sympathy and, and those types of things. So w- wisdom has definitely been needed along the way. Like you got to think through like what's smart and what's wise and are things unwise. You're, you're constantly having to assess those types of things. But I, I think for me personally, you stay busy with ministry and it was a help to be able to go full time in the midst of this. And then like all of my focus and all of my energy is on the church. But then just as a church collectively, it's like, Let's ramp up what we're doing. Let's let, let's make sure that the church is being the church in each and every way. Some of the difficulty in the midst of this time um, has been the people that you're listening to, uh, who who has your ear. You know that depending on who has your ear or what has your ear um, has kind of uh, created for um, individuals a uh, kind of a whirlwind or storm uh, that will take them kind of wherever it may take them. If they're listening to 50 different things, uh, then it might just leave you confused, uh, which then kind of causes greater problems. How have you kind of mitigated that with the necessity for decisions to be made in a pretty short period of time and those decisions having kind of large impacts on kind of the way in which church life uh, would be created? Uh, how, how were you able to kind of navigate? Yeah. By listening to, do you mean like news media or do you mean pastoral voices I'm, theological voices I mean it all because the reality is is that this the the situation that we're in is one that's multifaceted it's one that has uh, it, it has effects uh, on just what happens inside of the church, but at the same way, what happens inside of the church affects what happens for people outside. Uh, and so, so one thing I think about is that uh, for us to be maskless inside of a service would affect somebody who works uh, in uh, a hospital situation. Uh, and so for them to be around people unmasked early on in the pandemic was a big deal. And it was something that was super worrisome. And so the decisions that the church would make would then have effects on the lives that people live outside um, and then would have effects on uh, safety, uh, possibly for for people and people getting sick and things like that. So there are, it seems like there, everybody's listening to a multitude of voices to make kind of the best decision possible. And so whether you're listening to news outlets or doctors or reading things online, like 
you're mixing in something else other than just maybe the Bible and um, whatever pastor pastoral voices you were listening to before. So how, how have you guys um, and you specifically uh, mitigated kind of uh, that that yeah. kind of windstorm? Yeah, I think you got to try to listen to a wide berth. I think you've got to try to take in what folks are saying from every angle in the world that we live in, uh, particularly as we think about culture and media and news outlets and the politicization of, uh, of our world. I think you have to be willing to listen to voices from all angles because you understand that there's always a bias, mm-hmm. right? There's always an agenda. There's always, there's always some type of determined outcome that people want other than one that's just purely righteous. Yeah. Right. So, so, so I think for me, I've tried to take in voices from every angle tried to observe what what I can see. Um, uh, but then ultimately, and I know like this is the pastoral answer, but you do have to come to Scripture and say, what are we commanded to do from God's Word? Right? What are the principles that God's Word puts before us as the people of God living in the midst of a broken and fallen world? So what are the things that we are commanded to do? Right? How are we commanded to do those things, right? In what ways are we called to be obedient to authorities that have been placed over us? What are the limits of that biblically? Where do do those things begin and end, right? And then you take those principles from Scripture and then try to assess, right, based on the data that you are, are looking at from different places, the voices that you're listening to, like what does faithfulness to your people look like as a subset of what it looks like to be faithful to God, right? So my first call as a pastor is not to make the people in our congregation feel safe, right? That's not my first, that's not my first call, right? My, 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 My initial responsibility is not to try to ensure that everyone inside of our walls feels warm and fuzzy and like they're in like a comfortable living room, right? My first responsibility is to be faithful to what God has called us to be as the church, and then to do what's best for our people. What's best is not always going to be what's most comfortable, mm. right? So I think it, pastors would do well to keep that in view because I think a lot of what we've seen in church culture over the last several decades, but then maybe amplified over the last 18 months to two years, is a lot of pastors and churches believing that their primary responsibility is the comfort or health safety of their people or what it looks like to be a good neighbor to those living around the church and in their neighborhoods and their communities. And we've lost sight of the fact that we've made secondary things first things. Mm. And when you do that, you're not always going to err, but at some point, if you continue to do that, it's going to lead you astray. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so, so yeah, so I don't know that that directly answered your question, but like in terms of voices, for me, it had to be a wide berth. Like I couldn't just listen to this one news outlet or this one doctor or this one blog site, uh, because then you're going to become jaded and tainted and think that like, that's fully true. And I think wisdom in the world in which we live dictates that there's a little bit of truth probably everywhere, uh, in the things that, that we hear from, from a cultural standpoint and we need the spirit's help in discerning like what makes sense, what harmonizes even based off of what we're observing and and seeing what, what, what seems to be the case. Uh, And then, and then how do we take all of that and use it 
to make informed decisions about what we are commanded to be and do as the church. For sure. Yeah. Some, I was uh, reading an article, man, maybe a couple of days ago or so. Uh, and somebody was talking about the reality that so many people, the pandemic hits, um, and can just kind of the, the state of unrest, um, within kind of our country hits. And if you're not prepared uh, to handle it, uh, but then you try to handle it, uh, it's, it's almost like a child trying to do adult things. It's like a kid sitting in the seat of a car who can't reach the pedals. Uh, so what they're going to do is they're going to slip down so they can reach the pedals, but then they can't see and they can't steer. Um, and this is what's happening for a lot of churches is that they weren't prepared to handle some of these conversations they, because maybe they hadn't identified first things and been regularly practicing those first things. And so what happened is that once kind of some conflict hits once things that are pulling you um, a bunch of different ways hit, it then becomes difficult uh, to kind of steer uh, the car correctly. It becomes difficult to move effectively. In your kind of assessment of the church, our church specifically, were there places where you're like, man, I think we could have more well prepared our people for what was happening? And how have you then maybe corrected from those places? Thinking about all of the unrest that kind of happened over the past two years, were there places where you uh, looked at and you're like, man, I think we could have done a better job of preparing our people to handle this stuff? Yeah. So as I think about our, our, our folks and our church as a whole, I think a couple things became very apparent very quickly for us. So rolling back the clock a little bit in March of 2020, when everything was shutting down, we made the decision that we were going to shut down as a church as well and just move to online services. And we ended up doing that just for, uh, for about a month. Right. And even just over that short amount of time, as we were trying to gather information and learn and figure out what was going on, what we learned in the life of our folks is, is a couple things that I think we were trying to prepare our folks for ahead of time, and, and our folks were ready to engage in when we brought church back. But one is the importance of corporate worship. Right? This shouldn't be a surprise to any pastor or any church. Right, First things for us uh, as the church, not just the village church, but as the, as the big C church, should be that we are cultivating a worshiping people, like a people who love to worship God together with the people of God. Something that online church and streaming cannot provide you, right? It, I'm not saying that it can't be a viable option in dire circumstances, right? But uh, we, we found out very quickly that our folks worshiping individually in their homes, from their couches, in whatever setting they were that they were engaging in was, was really causing malnourishment in, in their lives, right, in terms of being a worshiping people. And then secondarily is how much they were affected by the lack of community, right? The lack of socializing and being around family, right? So, um, so I think it, it, it enhanced for our folks why those two things are so important for us as a church, but then just for the people of God in general. So I think that was helpful right out of the gate that we we do online service for four or five weeks. We make the decision. Nope, we're coming back. We are seeing our folks struggle. We are seeing uh, uh, we are seeing the effects of that in in the hearts and minds of our folks. And as we studied scripture more and just tried to assess what was happening, we felt very confident that this was the right move for us. And and we have been open as a church since that point. 
So I think it, it reaffirmed for our folks like, yes, worship, community, living together as family is important. One space that was revealed for me that uh, I would like to see us prepare our folks better is how to deal with angst and distress and suffering well. Right now, we we have been uh, fortunate as a church. God has been gracious to us in that the, the virus fought has gone through our church, and folks have certainly had it and even have it as as we speak. Um, our folks have, have all come through that. We haven't lost anybody to, to, to the virus, those types of things. But the emotional toll that this season has taken on people, the worry, the fear, um, the, the loss of jobs, the not being able to see other family members or whatever it is, that the, the emotional toll that it has taken on, on some of our folks and to see how they have responded to that angst and that suffering and that emotional kind of hurt that they've been feeling, I think has shown that we need to help our folks learn what it looks like to suffer well. Right? To, uh, we generally are a church that has good theology and, and our folks can generally articulate that good theology. And we have folks that love God's word and the authority of God's word over their lives. But as we started with, this idea of our doctrine becoming ground level, not just existing at a at a thirty thousand foot level, but living with us on the ground in these moments. Uh, I think we need to do a better job as a church helping our folks think through practically what does it look like to suffer well. Why is it okay to cry out to God? Why is it okay to cry out to a brother or sister in Christ when you are feeling the weight of emotional angst? Why is it okay to to, to pray questions of why and to seek for understanding that you know you may not get, but to still express those things to the Lord? What does it look like to cling to the fact that God is sovereign and at work and that suffering is not useless and that the things that, that we are walking through and have had to walk through are promised to be used by God? And what does it look like to be attentively looking for ways that God is going to use those things. So it's it's not that I think that we failed at that, but as as I've walked with individual folks through moments of real emotional pain and an anxiety that was very real and a fear that they felt was pressing in from all sides, I've definitely had these thoughts of we need to do a better job at the village of teaching our folks kind of the doctrine of suffering, like the Lewis is the problem of pain and, mm-hmm. and how to first understand that, but then walk through it faithfully. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's helpful. Uh, are there, were there any unique encouragements for you uh, over the past kind of two years where you're, you kind of look back and you're like, man, I wasn't thinking that from the pandemic, this would, uh, we would be blessed in this way. Uh, but maybe specifically even as a pastor, ways in which people uh, blessed you kind of over the last two years or in conversations, you're like, man, I thought that this was fairly unique. Um, and I, I look back and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that's a good question. I, a real sweetness to me over the pandemic has been how faithful and trusting our people have been of the leadership of the village church. I I most certainly wouldn't have articulated two years ago that our church isn't trusting 
of our, I, I would have said, yes, I believe that our covenant members trust the eldership of the church. But that was really put on display in a way that was incredibly tangible for me over these past two years as we have tried to navigate sometimes quickly and make decisions in the moment and and try to seek God's word and and, and uh, discernment through prayer and then make decisions that we knew wouldn't please everyone uh, but but we were hoping would please the Lord and, and and be healthy for our body to see our folks almost universally walk alongside of us in that and trust us in that and even at points where they didn't agree or understand, not flee, but engage in conversation and and submissively listen to uh, to, to where we were coming from and to, uh, to to want to hear articulated the biblical reasons why we were making the decisions that we were making. And then to see those folks who would initially disagree come very quickly to a place where they could very easily say, okay, we, we, we trust where you are taking us and we believe that what you have articulated is biblically faithful. It is it is somewhat remarkable to me, and I hope this doesn't sound braggadocious at all for the village church, because this is just God working in the midst of his people. But it is it is so remarkable to me that over the last two years, we have virtually lost no one. Right? We, we, there, there have been a couple of people who have who have left the church. When I say couple, that's what I mean, a couple like uh, a, a, of, of people who have left the church because of decisions that we have made. Uh, but but everyone who was here with us at the beginning in large measure has journeyed with us throughout this and ha- has shown their faithfulness to the Lord and their trust in us. And that's just been sweet for, for me and uh, not, not in a way that um, wants me to use that more and more, but just uh, it's, it's a humbling thing to have a group of folks trust a small group of men who are trying to lead faithfully uh, and trust their lives and their families' lives and their worship of the Lord and their sitting under the authority of God's word to us in the midst of what has been a strange season for everyone. Uh, so, so yeah, so that, that's, that's been a, a very unique encouragement for me personally and for us as elders personally that I don't think we could have foreseen and then the other thing is just seeing a church that longs to worship God, right? As as churches all around us are losing people and not worshiping together as the body, to see our folks yearn to come together and to see God bring new folks into that fold who who want to worship Him uh, faithfully ha- has been just incredibly encouraging, right? It's whatever you want to read and whatever you want to watch in terms of trends within the church and what's happening within the larger evangelical spectrum of the church over the last two years and even pre-pandemic would give you very little reason for hope. Uh, But I think just our little micro snapshot of what God is doing in the lives of his people has been an encouragement to say God does always hold on to a remnant of his people. And we certainly aren't 
the only part of that remnant. There are remnants all across the world that God is preserving right now. But to see it face to face and just uh, just to be confronted with that on a weekly basis uh, and uh, and see how he has uh, grown our folks, not simply numerically, but just in terms of their maturity and desire to worship him has been deeply encouraging. It's one of those things that makes you say like, yeah, let's just keep rolling. Let's yeah. keep going. Let's full force ahead. Uh, and whoever God brings aboard, fantastic. But he has already built uh, a, a good body in this place that he can do significant things in and through. Yeah. The other side of the coin of uh, of encouragements is challenges. What are unique challenges? And uh, it's it's interesting to me. I think we were just in a, an elder meeting just the other day, and it was Chris who brought up uh, the necessity to be praying uh, for uh, good churches in the neighborhood. The necessity uh, that like the work that we want to happen here in Columbus. Um, we, we have no uh, uh, preconceived notion that we can do it all, <laughs> and there's no uh, desire uh, to, to do it all, but the longing for, like, we want tons of churches everywhere uh, that are uh, kind of uh, biblically based, that are strong, that love the gospel, that love to worship God, that are submitting themselves uh, to his word, uh, and that want to see uh, their surrounding area transformed. And I think for me, uh, it's been a challenge to look around and have a heart uh, just for uh, surrounding churches. I think you do kind of naturally get a kind of competitor's mentality mentality of like, man, you're making that decision uh, or that's what you're doing. Uh, man, we're way better than you. And then you do hear from uh, people of like, yeah, man, uh, I would look and was looking at this church over here and we're doing it way better than them. And so th- there is this kind of, you begin to pit yourself against uh, other people, but I think it's been a, a unique challenge for me to begin to think through what does it look like for me to p- pray for those churches, to pray for their strengthening, to pray for hopefully uh, their correctioning, uh, believing that um, the decisions that we made have been faithful and maybe some of the decisions that they have made have not been faithful. Um, And so just kind of a longing to see people return, particularly uh, to an authentic, faithful worship uh, of the Lord, and then the ministry that would flow kind of from that uh, to so that we're all can be joined together in, in a gospel ministry. Would you add any other kind of unique challenges uh, kind of to that one or one ones that have popped up over the past uh, two years? Yeah, no, that's a good one. I think it's so easy to become cynical and critical of the, the larger church around us. And certainly there are appropriate moments to do that. And there, there is something that is worthwhile and seeing what other churches are doing and both being disappointed by what they're doing and learning from it. But at the same time, like you say, we should be a people who grieve that and want to see it redeemed. Um, in terms of other challenges uh, over uh, over this season, I think just very uniquely for us, a challenge has been growth, mm. right? How, how do we manage the growth that we have experienced? And from the fact that we've tripled in size as a church uh, since the pandemic uh, started, that's created space issues for us. It's created ministry issues. It's uh, created leadership issues. It's created discipleship issues. Like it's, th- th- those are definitely unique things that we have had to navigate uh, in the midst of this, but I'd say a personal challenge or a character challenge that 
very much connects to what you're talking about is, is one just of, of pride, right? Like I think I find myself and my guess is you would echo this and the other elders would as well is that it can very quickly lead you to feel as though you've got the right path and no one else does. And then as the right path seems to be working in quotation marks, whatever working means, like more people are coming, more people are happy, right? Budgets are going up. You and I can go full time at the, like these types of things, right? The the thermometer's getting hot. Yeah. 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 Like it just, you can just very easily find yourself sitting back and basking in the fact that you think you've done it right. And very quickly must remind yourself that God can squash this very quickly mm. if he wants to squash it. And the, the metric for working or the metric for success should never be what the world or even the mainstream evangelical church would say that metric is. Like our metric for success can't be the fact that we've tripled in size. Over the last two years, our metric for success can't be that we're now in full time ministry and we're not bivocational. Our metric can't cannot be that f- folks in our church seem happier than they have ever been. Again, our metric has to go back to faithfulness, right? And sometimes God will choose to bless that faithfulness in one way, and other times God will choose to bless that faithfulness in other ways. And sometimes that's joy and and peaks and and growth and excitement. And then other times that blessing of faithfulness is through suffering mm-hmm. and, and pain. And if we are not pursuing real faithfulness, then that will get exposed at some point in time. So, so a challenge for me personally has definitely been like walk back your foolish thoughts, right? Uh, d- don't, d- don't begin to think of yourself more highly than you ought. And s- keep perspective of what God has entrusted to you uh, and zealously pursue that and try to drown out the noise whenever the tempter tries to fill your brain with these other thoughts that uh, that would be very easy just to kind of rest in. Yeah. Hmm. You, you just kind of alluded to the necessity for critique um, for whoever it's pointed at to be kind of uh, searching for the other's good. Uh, that if I'm going to critique you, Zach, I'm looking uh, to produce kind of from that critique uh, your uh, best kind of most most faithful end. That's why I'm critiquing. I'm bringing it up that you would be corrected and that you would be able to walk more faithfully at the end. In the same way, if we're looking to critique churches, uh, we, we are looking to critique them that they would be more faithful, uh, not simply uh, to draw people away from them or to kind of throw shade their way or to make them look bad, but hopefully uh, that they would be kind of corrected and kind of brought back uh, on a more uh, faithful path. Path, excuse me. Uh, as you kind of look at our church uh, specifically, um, uh, I begin to think about the necessity for education. Uh, if we were to critique ourselves, um, kind of coming from the beginning of the pandemic to where we are now, um, in sitting inside of rooms thinking about what our people need and how they need to be shaped in the midst of this time where there's a whirlwind that's looking to grab uh, their attention, uh, we've said that education um, 
provides uh, a necessary avenue for people to become uh, who God longs for them uh, to be. And so in self-critique, uh, we saw that, that that was lacking. We had the discipleship program already set up where uh, people would be in a one-on-one discipleship relationship, reading uh, solid books, beginning to grow and challenge um, and uh, beginning to shape their theology in ways that we uh, had kind of talked about and decided were, were helpful uh, ways. Um, uh, but what, what were some of the things that were birthed out of kind of the necessity to produce a kind of a, a greater educational program uh, within the church kind of as, as uh, over the past two years, what, what were things that uh, kind of came from that critique? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I think so often you find in the pastorate that what you find yourself having to work on in the flock are the same things that God has revealed need to be worked on in you. So even as I share like a struggle with pride and wanting to get lost in those thoughts very easily and having to fight against that. I think what we've seen is like our folks are struggling with that Mm. as well, right? Thinking that we're at the right church. Mm. This is the church that does it the way that it's supposed to be done. And look at all those silly churches out there. Right. And then, and then out of that kind of posture, what you begin to see in folks is that that's a veneer for not really feeling rooted in the truths of God's word. Mm-hmm. Again, the folks that we have here will, will affirm right doctrine, hold fast to uh, to to our confessions and, and the historic confessions uh, of of the faith and multiple choice quizzes or uh, surveys that would be sent out. Folks are going to do well on the education stuff came into focus because I think what we saw is there's such a difference in our folks affirming what they hear. So we preach a certain thing in a certain way, and we we teach those things, and, and we affirm our faith week in and week out as we look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism or the Heidelberg Catechism, and, and, and folks are championing that and, and sitting under it and, and loving it and soaking it in. But then in, in ground-level conversations with folks, what, what you, you begin to see is, is that maturity that you think is there based on what they're affirming and what they're enjoying sitting under just isn't there, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the, 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 the internal isn't matching the, the external, right? And it, it, it wasn't because of the, their deep knowledge of God's word that they went one way or the other when the pandemic hit. It was because they listened to a certain pastoral voice or or they had read a certain book or they had a a certain political persuasion that led them down a certain path to us, Mm -hmm. right? Or even the folks who were here already, again, they they were sitting under joyfully and humbly a certain doctrinal teaching but as you dug and and tried to see where was the fruit of this in their lives based off of the roots that were being formed in their lives, they were largely non-existent, mm-hmm. right? And, and I hope that doesn't sound too critical about our, our, our folks because that's not what it's meant to do. It's meant to say what it opened up for us is... Scripture says, don't be like children. Don't don't be able to be tossed to and fro. I was just reading Ephesians 4 yesterday, that the the winds of change wouldn't wouldn't take you back and forth, right? That, uh, that, that a part of spiritual formation is rooting. 
And that rooting comes from knowledge. It does not come from emotion. It doesn't come from spiritual highs. It doesn't come from warm tinglys on the back of your neck because the guitar or the drums are played in a certain way at this point in the song. It doesn't come from lights and it doesn't come from a funny story that the pastor tells, right? That rooting so that you're not children, right? That movement from milk to solid food comes through knowledge, Right? And we can't get away from that. I understand that the modern church wants to fight this idea of knowledge because we think it just makes us pharisaical. It, it, it just makes us a, an academic group of people that are, um, th- that are devoid of emotional substance or affection. But the reality is, is what we would believe here is that emotions or affections that aren't rooted in right knowledge are fleeting emotions or affections. Yeah. They're, they're not real. They're, they're a facade. So this idea for us that like, no, we need to do a better job of rooting our folks themselves. We don't want them to be rooted because I'm rooted. We don't want our folks to be rooted because you're rooted, right? We, we don't, we don't want our folks to, um, uh, to live vicariously through the eldership of the church. We, we want our folks, each and every one from the youngest to the oldest, to be being trained in the knowledge, the right knowledge of who God is and how he works in his world. And for us then, that comes through education, mm-hmm. right? All of the educational ways that that can happen. And um, and again, our one-on-one discipleship stuff was happening before the pandemic. I would say it's much more robust and healthy two years later than it was two years ago, right? Uh, so that's one-on-one discipleship for us. That's starting a Christian education hour in terms of Sunday school uh, on Sunday afternoons before worship and having those spaces for all ages to, to, to continue to uh, learn. That's us having a heart that we've had for years to start a classical Christian school out of the village and taking steps to do that by starting a homeschool co-op and forming an initial school board to really provide an avenue for our folks to place their children in a healthy educational environment where they are learning good and rigorous things that are informed by faith and a, and a biblical worldview. That's uh, the, the the after school program that, that that we do on Wednesday nights, and and with an emphasis on reading and and helping kids learn how to read, but not just learn how to read like secular books but learn how to read by reading scripture right and and developing their leadership their reading skills through the reading of the word and then probably the most recent thing for us now is beginning like our own in-house theological training center with wit uh, the uh, the warfield institute of theological training our in-house seminary that kicks off this month where we, we invite men and women into this significant and rigorous graduate level training program that's four years long, right? Where the, 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 they'll, the, they'll take 24 classes over four years if they do the whole program uh, in its full intensity uh, to get what is going to be better than what most seminaries can offer. Uh, so, so training our folks. And again, in all of those ways, seeking to make it deeply practical, that, that we aren't just filling heads with knowledge, but that we are talking about how that knowledge impacts our hearts and then and then moves out into our actions. So 
the, the education focus for us is really just born out of a need biblically to be, to faithfully mature our people. Again, from kids, uh, we want our kids in one-on-one discipleship relationships. We want our kids in catechism on Sunday afternoons. We, we want our kids being discipled by their families. We want uh, our kids then eventually coming to a Christian school that is connected to our church, but then all the way up through college students and young adults and young marrieds and folks who are married with children to retirees to senior citizens to whatever it might be. Our task is to spiritually form people into mature disciples of Christ. Uh, And education is how you do that. It starts with knowledge. It doesn't start in any other way. And I'm willing to kind of go toe-to-toe and debate that with anybody who would think that real Christian maturity happens in any other way than by beginning by acquiring right knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> with 2022 uh, upon us, uh, what's next? Um, a, a couple, a couple big things come to mind that, that we really want to focus in on while we continue to faithfully pursue the things that God has given us up to this point. Uh, that Christian education thing is big that we just talked about, so I won't spend a lot more time on that. But we're going to continue pursuing the school thing. We start uh, wit at the end of this month in full force. Um, and then we'll continue continue to build out those educational aspects of the church. So that's big. Uh, but outside of that, a couple other emphases that I think are really going to be important for us in 2022. One of those is the idea of disciplines. Right. So r- r- our folks have always been challenged to read the Word and spend time in prayer and and get alone with the Lord in solitude and to fast and. These these types of biblical disciplines that God has commanded us to embody, but we're really going to focus in 2022 on these spiritual disciplines as a way to ensure, or try to ensure, that all of the information that we are teaching, right, has a practical outpouring, mm-hmm. has a way for folks to express those things, so that they aren't just becoming high thinkers, but that that knowledge is informing duty that that, that 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 orthodoxy is informing orthopraxy to use kind of historical language so uh, focusing on studying the word and and trying to ensure that our folks are in the word on their own together with their families reading it studying it and then praying over it praying for one another trying to develop that discipline of prayer in the life of our church and in the lives of our members i think is so vitally important um uh, we, we cannot be a healthy church if we are not a praying church. If we aren't a people who run to prayer, who spend significant amount of time both individually and then together in prayer, it will be impossible for us to be a, a healthy body. And then, uh, again, learning to to put on things like fasting and solitude and th- these types of things in our lives, I think, is going to be very important. So that'll be uh, a not far off Sunday school class for us. I think that that might be the, the topic of our family retreat uh, in in June is that we focus on that together as a church will be an emphasis in our one-on-one discipleship uh, in 2022. So, uh, so so the idea of disciplines is going to become a, a big focus for us. And then the other thing is serving. And I really want to challenge our folks uh, to serve, both in the life of the church, but then particularly in an outreach aspect. So uh, in the in the last year, we have started a homeless outreach and a life ministry outreach where we uh, want to reach out to women 
having an abortion or considering having an abortion and be on the ground at those clinics to, to talk to people and, and care for folks. And then just hopefully we can get back out into the, the global mission stuff. We can get back to Cuba where we can expand that maybe into some other places. But to, to, to really give our folks very practical and tangible ways to serve God together by addressing very significant wickedness mm. in our world uh, and and tragedy in our world and the brokenness that sin brings. So I think that 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 is going to be a major emphasis for us this year is as we focus on education, we have to be sure again that, that we're giving these very practical and tangible outworkings of what right knowledge pushes us to. Because if Right. If if we re, if we're recording a year from now at the beginning of 2023 and we have not become a church that with joy saturates ourselves in the word in our homes, that we aren't praying with and for one another, both corporately and individually, if if these ministries of outreach aren't uh, aren't drawing folks from our church who want to engage the brokenness that exists around us then we're going to be in real danger of becoming just kind of a a whitewashed tomb in terms of having lots of high knowledge, but that not working its way down into us being willing to just do the grind of serving, right? And that serving goes as to as micro things of cleaning the church and folks bringing food to our family meals and helping clean up after service and making sure kids are cared for and as need is exposed in the life of our church, folks stepping up to to, to meet those needs. This can be a major topic of conversation at our member meeting t- tomorrow. Like we cannot become that kind of church. We cannot become a high theology and and, and low output type of t- type of place uh, because that we would not be a biblically faithful church at, at, at that point. We would simply become Stoics uh, who, who who relish in all the right things that we think, but are largely full of dead man's bones and, and laziness and apathy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to be Christian bobbleheads. Yeah, right? just nodding at the right stuff, but the hand can, hands can't do anything. Feet don't go anywhere, uh, and so we want uh, the heads to be big, and then the hands and the feet then to follow suit and to be doing God's work faithfully. All right, well, uh, that's helpful. Uh, we're back. Uh, look forward uh, to doing more podcasts. Look forward, hopefully, uh, to blessing uh, the church, hopefully with uh, uh, yeah rich conversations. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys.